Welcome to the Lives of Courage podcast with me, Jessica Stong. Each week, we'll look at ways to choose courage every day, as I know even the smallest acts of courage matter. Through inspiration and action, we can grow into who we are truly meant to be. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, welcome. Happy Monday to you all. I hope you're having a great day um, and I wish you a great week. Anyway, today we're going to chat about the how and why of discussing learning differences with your child. Oh, it's so hard to know what to do or what to say to your child about a learning difference diagnosis. But even before the actual assessment and evaluation and diagnosis, we often notice that our kids will start to express that they don't want to go to school, that they hate school, or that the teacher picks on them, or even that their tummy hurts or any combination of physical symptoms. It's so difficult to watch. I can say this as a parent. I can say this as a professional. You see these sweet children and you, their worlds are not making sense. And we know um, when we think about Erickson's theory on development, if kids are during the fourth stage, if they're not able to develop, it's the industry versus inferiority stage, and if they are not able to um, have a sense of purpose or have a sense of success, they're unable to develop that sense of self-esteem and self-efficacy and all that they need to grow and to develop. So we, um, as parents or as professionals, have a real opportunity to help these sweet, sweet children grow and um, experience life and just um, understand that this difference does not define them. It, in fact, um, becomes just another part of who they are and how they experience the world and help how they help um, the world ex- see them as well. And it's also important to have empathy for these sweet, sweet children as they aren't just being difficult or troublesome or trying to create problems. Children can often feel overwhelmed in school settings and need reassurance, or even in our family settings, someone to listen to their troubles and remind them that they can do hard things. This is a great reminder to take the time to continually build resiliency skills in your children, despite whether they are currently struggling or not. And I will, as I do, I will link to um, all these notes um, from the podcast and also um, the articles, um, research articles that I um, mention on the podcast in the blog associated with this podcast. So I um, will also um, send you there as well. So I believe that we all need to know that we are unique and that our strengths and challenges make us different. We as parents need to be reminded of that as educators and we need to remind our children of that and really learning how to value strength and diversity. I love the All Kinds of Minds neurodevelopmental framework as a tool to really engage your children in a discussion about what is happening in their brain. I also talk to kids about their great 
exciting brain. And I draw on Dr. Daniel Siegel's work in this area and Dr. Becky Bailey's and, you know, the list goes on. So I just want to take you through a few things. Um, and, and many parents worry that talking to their parent, uh, their children about learning differences and attention issues or labeling them will make them feel worse. And I can assure you that this is not the case. And I will also point to research that says that when we don't have those conversations with our children in, of course, responsible ways and not labeling them, um, we actually can sometimes do more damage. Um, But kids tend to take comfort in knowing that there's a reason for their struggles, that it isn't because they're just plain, I, I, I can't even say this word, but stupid or lazy or dumb, that their their brains are beautifully made and that they are different. And so we just help them understand that. So I have three steps to start the conversation about differences, about brain differences, about learning differences. Um, and this is for all children. It's not just for the children um, that have a learning different diagnosis. It's about all children as they're learning their um, how how they um, process knowledge. We don't all process it. We are visual or auditory or kinesthetic learners. And so, how do we help all children learn and accept their brains and their strengths and um, differences? So. To start the conversation, step one is to engage in ongoing and honest communication. So first, when we speak honestly and often um, with our children, they begin to understand that they, we are there for them. It also allows them the freedom to ask questions that might be considered inappropriate, rude, or inconsiderate in other circumstances. So the family is really their safe place. And some children don't have this at home, so our educators out there um, can also be that safe place for the children. Your child needs answers as much as you do. You hear things you don't understand, so your child needs to hear reassurance, needs to hear that you were there for them. They may have different questions or feelings, but all are legitimate pushing aside their feelings, saying, oh, that's silly, that, that doesn't happen, or um, really undermines or just hurts their, their ability to speak openly with you. Acknowledging their emotions and questions can help them cope and understand. Remind them that they can always ask you and acknowledge the courage in asking, in the act of asking. I also recommend breaking um, the... Uh, the conversation about strengths and differences into bite-sized chunks that your child can understand. It is not a one-time conversation, and that conversation will evolve over time. We know that as the mind grows and their questions get more sophisticated, they will keep continually come to you. I always say it's just best to stay one step ahead of them because Henry's questions, my own son's questions that he has about brain development are getting more and more out, outside of the level of my own um, sophistication. And so it's so interesting that I continually have to keep up with him. And he is nine. It's amazing. 
if given the tools to have these conversations, what these children can think about and experience and know and grow. So um, it's also important to make sure that your children know that they can talk to you about their fears and concerns at any time. These ongoing conversations help your children with problem solving and the act of self-efficacy, which we will get to at some point, which I believe is so important. Okay, the second step in the process is to focus on strengths first and then discuss differences. You don't have to use labels. We can talk about strengths and help them see and notice what makes themselves and our, our lives special. What do they like to do? What makes them happy? You want to work together and under, and strengthen um, his or her learning and how to improve um, what they know and what they do well. And um, really, we think about the island, Dr. Robert Brooks' island of competence. So you really want to bolster that, help them discover what, what um, they are good at and what makes them happy um, um, and what makes them uh, do well and, and really just help them with that. And really an infusion of optimism is an important theme in all of this so that we don't focus on those ongoing challenges. Um, because there are, everybody has challenges. We don't come into this life with just all strengths, right? And so helping our children understand that when it feels like all that they can see at school and all they can see in the world is that the, the difference. And sometimes that's all we can focus on. So if we as parents or as educators can really help them see their strengths, it's just such a beautiful thing. Um, and you want to talk about um, how they can see their challenges and grow from their challenges and enjoy greater success at school. And this comes from a conversation, which is in step three, about their brain development and how we learn and grow and creating those neural pathways. But it's also about knowing that some things are going to be hard and that's okay. Things are hard for everyone. Um, and with the all kinds of minds, there are eight constructs in their learning framework. You can use these to bring out a conversation about strengths and opportunities for growth. So I just wanted to briefly mention these. They give you some language around thinking about strengths and really helping your children understand strengths. And I'm also in the blog, I'm also going to put... Um, uh, a, a link to all kinds of minds also has like a student learner profile that helps even children discover. And my son did it. You separate into what, what you can do well and what sometimes is challenging for you or what you like to do and what you don't like to do. And then you can have a conversation around that and it gives you language. It's, it's a really great tool. So I hope you will check it out and let me know it, what you think of it. But anyway, we can talk about attention and that is maintaining mental energy for learning um, and work, absorbing and filtering incoming information and overseeing the quality of academic output and behavior. There's a lot to attention and it's not just ADHD. We all 
No, we've eaten a big meal. We have problems with attention. We struggle with um, a variety of things. And then we look at higher order cognition, which is complex thinking. And so this is comprehending concepts, generating original ideas, using logical approaches to address complex problems. We know that this isn't a given and that this develops over time. And so, but for some kids, this is a real strength. And for um, our sweet little children with dyslexia, sometimes that this is a real strength of theirs that we can't always see or that they don't always recognize or have even the language to understand that, which then gets us to our third construct language. And that is understanding incoming oral and written information and communicating ideas orally and in writing. And this is also understanding um, processing auditory information, processing visual information um, within language. And so there's a lot to this language piece. It's not just children with dyslexia or dysgraphia. And so how we help all children understand their minds is important. Then we look at memory and briefly recording new information, mentally juggling information while using it to try to complete a task. Let's say we tell our child, you need to do X, Y, Z. How can they remember why after they're trying to keep in their mind X and Z. And it, I know that um, I don't think my husband listens to this podcast, all of my podcasts, just select ones. And um, he, bless his sweet little heart, we know that memory is in a strong suit of his. And so we have developed workarounds to help our relationship. So we don't, so I, I don't um, quote unquote nag him to remember what I have told him and then storing and recalling information at a later time, which also happens in our family. So we know that these aren't constructs aren't just for children. They're for adults too. Um, so that's very important. I also want to know that, um, Neuromotor functions are important. So controlling movement, using large muscles in a coordinated manner, controlling finger and hand movements, controlling muscles when needed for handwriting, fine motor handwriting, um, and gross motor are very important skills. And we struggle with them. Some of us struggle more. Um, I'm not pointing any fingers, but I was never great at sports, and I tried. And it wasn't because of a lack of trying. And um, so... Uh, and then we think about social cognition, making and keeping friends. And so part of the way that I was able to adapt ADHD and diagnosed dyslexia until much later was that um, I had great or high social cognition skills. So we and, and some children have these that come almost seemingly naturally, but we can coach kids into this. So knowing what to talk about, when, with whom, and for how long, working and playing with others in a cooperative manner, nurturing positive relationships with influential people. So it's really thinking about how to help them develop the skills of social cognition and recognizing that as a strength um, in our learning profile or our neurodevelopmental profile. Then we also think about spatial ordering, visual thinking, understanding information that is represented visually, generating products that are visual, and organizing materials and spaces. So think about, well, let's just take my house, for example. I have piles because 
I um, have a difficult, difficult time with spatial ordering. So I have piles and I think I just need someone to come in and help me with this because these piles are getting overwhelming. And so we think about our sweet kids in their rooms and their ability to um, uh, understand that visual thinking piece. And then we also then come to temporal sequential ordering. I don't know why that word is so hard for me or keeping track of time and order, understanding the order of steps, events, or other sequences, generating products arranged in a meaningful order and organizing time and schedules. Again, all kinds of minds is for adults too. It gives us a wonderful opportunity to begin to reflect on our own learning or for example, our husband's processing and developmental framework of um, his mind and so that we can understand and not necessarily hold people um, or hold it against people when they don't have the skill sets we expect them to have um, and or want them to have immediately. While using these eight cons- contracts, you can empower your child to find success, leverage their strengths, and help them from a place of sincere ap- support to eliminate, and this is these are f- taken directly from their values, a humiliation, blaming, and labeling. I also like to bring in stories about others to help your child and see and value their strengths. Henry devoured the Percy Jackson books. Percy Jackson had ADHD and dyslexia. And Rick Riordan, I can't say Riordan, I've said Riordan, Riordan, um, has had a child with ADHD and dyslexia. And the story of him creating these Percy Jackson books are just beautiful. So he really um, took time to um, tell stories to his son at night about children with differences. And his son then encouraged him to write these Percy Jackson books as a school teacher. And then he sent him off um, for consideration for publication. And I love it because Percy was born with battlefield reflexes, that ADHD, and his brain takes more naturally to ancient Greek than English. It was that dyslexia piece. So I just, Henry loved these books and even said that he probably had dyslexia before we thought to have him assessed. We knew he had ADHD because that was something that came naturally. But I I also want to say that learning differences show up in different ways. Henry um, was, is, is highly intelligent, so developed coping strategies and workarounds even without us knowing and had a really um, amazing, and I will forever be grateful to his first grade teacher because of her ability to work with him individually in class and really wire in those uh, phonemic awareness skill sets, that's phonics, so that he is was able to manage and cope until we started um, reading to learn. So we weren't in the reading to learn, or learning to read um, growth. We became, we, we noticed it in the um, reading to learn piece of his development. So kids know Kids know um, what they're going for. And when discussing challenges, it's also important to um, point out that some challenges can't be seen. Percy Jackson, by looking at him, you wouldn't know he had ADHD and a diagnosis of dyslexia. You just don't know that. You don't know who's walking around with difference. And it's also important to remind adults of this as well. Um, We all, I, 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 I know people see me and 
uh, probably guess by my energy level and enthusiasm for life that I do have an ADD diagnosis, but we don't necessarily see it all. And then finally, the third step. So the first step is engaging in ongoing and honest communication. The second step is focusing on strengths first and then discussing differences. And the third is explaining how the brain works. And I want you, um, if you haven't already, listen to the Understanding Your Brain podcast. I love chatting with kids about how their brains are structured and how they work. I also will be um, doing another podcast on the Go Zen program and really helping kids understand that prefrontal cortex and their old brain and their new brain. And that is through cartoons. It's the, it's the whole Go Strengths program is incredible. I have a professional membership to that and would love to chat with any of you about um, working with your children, um, understanding their brain, because I think that is one of the most important skills you can give your child. Um, I'm I'm also going to link to some great articles in the podcast, like from Scientific American and other ones that we can just help understand neuropathways Um, and just that old brain, new brain. Um, and the PFC, yeah, you know me. Okay, so I know I'm running out of time, um, but also I want you to think about how to talk to your whole family, and that includes what I would say in quotes as neurotypical siblings. Kids start to notice that they are different. They start to notice that their siblings are different. They require different supports and sometimes have different rules and expectations. We have the conversation that, of course, your brother gets support from um, special teachers or tutors or doctors. They're working. um, We're all working. We work as a family. We all work together to help your um, brother learn how to read better or process information or listen differently. And I know it's hard for you um, that it's different sometimes. But you have to understand that in our family, we make everyone feel safe. We make everyone learn to recognize their strengths. And we help everyone feel safe and and secure in our family. And that is by recognizing that we are all unique and we all need different things. Um, And keep in mind that it is important to acknowledge everyone, everyone in the family's feelings of anger, jealousy, shame, or resentment. Sibling rivalry can be difficult to watch, but it's totally normal. And by uh, letting children have those conversations, honest and ongoing conversations with you. Also, I want to point out for parents, you need someone to talk to. And we go through, and I will have a a whole podcast next, um, maybe not next week, but soon, about how to accept your child, all children, and how to love your child. And even when the going gets tough, I I have gone through the stages of grief as it relates to my son and seeing that he is not always the same and his brain is different and loving him for who he is and where he is at and supporting him and helping him grow, but also honoring what works for him. And I am a great believer in behavioral supports and yet loving that child and giving them the space 
to be who they are and how they grow. Okay. So, but it's hard for parents too. So I just want to say that. And for all you parents out there with one child or even multiple children with learning disabilities, I can say this. You have my support and a world of support and admiration. I am so grateful for the, um, the, the lessons you can teach us and for your strength and honesty and resiliency in the process. So I, I just want to send you all hugs and love. Thank you for listening. This podcast, of course, means so much to me. I hope that um, you have time to think about this. Send me any questions at hello at jessicastong.com. I'm happy to answer them. Um, we'll do a question and answer podcast as well. So I'm super excited about that. I hope you have a great week. Thanks again. Take care, everyone.